Good morning, afternoon, or evening, as the case may be, and welcome to Silver Screeners. This is the podcast that brings you all kinds of movie news, reviews, and previews. I'm Frank, coming at you from New England, Massachusetts to be exact, and this here is episode eight. So hello once again, glad that you're tuning in. Thank you very much, whether it is for the eighth time or for the first time, either way, you are in for a treat this time around because the timing of the recording of this particular episode is primo. It is an A plus example of why I got into movies in the first place from a very young age. This is my reason for becoming a regional film speaker for a decade and counting for taking film courses, for teaching film courses to celebrate great storytelling and maybe some stories that aren't necessarily so great, but still have some kind of a memorable quality to them, you know, you know what I mean? But, uh, but yeah, what I want you to do is to think back to when you were a kid. Now I'm talking maybe six, seven, eight years old, maybe even younger, your earliest memory. What is your earliest memory of a movie that gave you an adrenaline rush that could crack a carton of eggs in one fell swoop. You know what I mean? One that is so much a part of your adolescence, your years as a youngin, that you just can't imagine your childhood without it. This episode's featured film is one of those flicks for me. I have a handful of these really sacred choices. So this is not the only one, but it is definitely in the upper echelon. This is definitely one of the top. I speak of none other than Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first Indiana Jones movie, the one that launched a four film and counting franchise. It was originally released here in the United States on June 12th, 1981. And at the time of this recording, it is now June 11th, 2021. So tomorrow, tomorrow marks the 40th anniversary of this action adventure luminary in the world of global cinema, one of my personal favorites, like ever. Now, according to boxofficemojo.com, I have it written down right here. There it is. It ranks, Raiders of the Lost Ark ranks to this day at number 22 of the top grossing films of all time when adjusted for inflation. Now, I want to put this into perspective for you. Number 22, adjusted for inflation. Number 22 of the top grossing films of all time. Let me give you, just for perspective here, let me give you some film titles that are beneath it on this list. The original Godfather, Forrest Gump, Black Panther, Infinity War, The Dark Knight, all three Lord of the Rings films, every single one of the Harry Potter films. Raiders of the Lost Ark, when adjusted for inflation, ranks above them all at number 22. By comparison's sake, the second Indiana Jones flick, Temple of Doom, that currently ranks at number 99. The third one, Last Crusade, ranks at 115. And the fourth one, Crystal Skull, at uh, surprising 152. And I say surprising because that movie was so divisive, one so polarizing but we're focusing only tonight on the first the raiders of the last act the first one so we'll be exploring some fun facts and some behind the scenes stuff taking a look at certain elements that maybe come across differently today and of course sharing some thoughts on the divisive sequels in this let's face it it is an uneven franchise 
Three so far with a fourth follow-up that just began production within the past week. Three sequels so far. So get that fedora, get it on your head, grab your bullwhip, buckle up, because we're going to go traipsing around the globe with Harrison Ford, Steven Spielberg, Karen Allen, John Reese davis and George Lucas in search of fun and fascinating stories behind the story of the making of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, where does it all begin? The Indiana Jones concept was born in the head of George Lucas, even before he worked on Star Wars in 1977. Lucas wanted to do sort of a throwback to the Saturday matinee serials that he grew up on. And I talked about this a little bit a few episodes back, the one where we talked about American graffiti. But Lucas had two different concepts in mind at the same time. One of them was to do something in outer space in the same vein as Flash Gordon. And that ended up, of course, as Star Wars. The other idea he had was an archaeologist who would go around the world in search of lost or forgotten artifacts, basically. His thinking was that it would be a serial, nonstop action kind of adventure. He was thinking that there would be some kind of a supernatural twist to it. That's, of course, what we do have in the final analysis of things. But once he got going with production on Star Wars, the archaeologist idea was sort of put on the back burner for a while. Then, at a later point, he connected with Phil Kaufman. Phil Kaufman, who is the director of the 1978 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. In more recent years, he directed uh, 2000's Quills with Jeffrey Rush, Kate Winslet, and Joaquin Phoenix. He also wrote and directed 1983's The Right Stuff. So pretty accomplished filmmaker. He loved the idea, this Indiana Jones concept, and it was actually him. It was Phil Kaufman who suggested to Lucas that for the first film that the artifact be the Ark of the Covenant. Let's have that be what the Indiana Jones character is trotting around the globe for. But the thing of it is, is that Phil Kaufman, he was not actively involved in the film once he pitched out that idea because he was already signed on to do a Clint Eastwood movie. So Lucas went on to do Star Wars. And so once again, the Indiana Jones concept was put back on the shelf. And that brings us to May, 1977. It was the opening weekend of Star Wars and Lucas and Steven Spielberg went away together to Hawaii. They went on a trip to Hawaii. According to Spielberg, it's, it's apparently their thing that on opening weekend of one of their films, they get away from Hollywood and they wait to hear what the box office tally is, the grosses. When Lucas heard the good news about Star Wars kicking off into high gear, he was relieved. He was bolstered enough to turn to Spielberg and to say to Spielberg, okay, what do you want to do next? And Spielberg's response was, well, you know, I always wanted to direct a James Bond picture. And Lucas said, oh, I got a better idea. I got that beat. I'll go a step further. He told Spielberg the concept that he had in mind about a globe-trotting archaeologist. Spielberg loved it. He was on board, and they were off to the races. So the name Indiana, that was Lucas's dog. That was Lucas's Malamute at the time, this big, huge animal that would sit in his passenger seat. <laughs> Indiana was the inspiration, actually, for Chewbacca the Wookiee. But he also became the namesake of the archaeologist adventurer that we are talking about now. So this beloved dog of Lucas, this Indiana, lives on in a way that the uh, two Lucas creations, the Wookiee and Indiana Jones himself, they carry on this dog's legacy. Interesting thing is that originally the last name of the character was not Jones. Initially, Lucas had in mind the name of Smith, Indiana Smith. 
Spielberg did not go for that, but was fine with the name Jones. So there you go. Spielberg brought Lawrence Kasdan in to pen the screenplay. Kasdan had written for written The Empire Strikes Back. And he said himself, Spielberg said himself that Kasdan was the one to punch up the script to give it the humor and the sarcasm and the kind of wit that you have laced all throughout the finished product. Not surprisingly, however, a lot of studios did turn down Raiders of the Lost Act. Lucas says that was because they were probably nervous about the costs of making the film. Paramount finally agreed to foot the bill and it became a Paramount production. You would think that 20th Century Fox would have trusted Lucas by this point. I mean, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back were already, you know, filling up the studio coffers. So you'd think that 20th Century Fox would say, Lucas, you obviously have a magical touch, so go with it. But Strangely enough, they passed, and so Paramount stepped in, and the Indiana Jones franchise became Paramount property. As for the casting, it was Spielberg who was the one to first suggest Harrison Ford, but George Lucas was not sold on that idea. You know, Ford had already been in both American Graffiti and in Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, and so he and I mean, he liked him fine. He thought Ford was a great actor, but he did not want to have the same guy in all of his movies. He said that, you know, I want something fresh. I want a new idea. I mean, it worked out well for Scorsese and De Niro around that time to make all their films together. But Lucas wanted to go in a different direction. Among those who did screen tests for the role of Indiana Jones were Tim Matheson, Peter Coyote, who would go on to have a featured role in E.T., Tom Selleck, famously, was signed for the role. But the CBS network had him under contractual obligation to do a series with them. And so once Spielberg had Selleck signed on to do Raiders, CBS got on the phone with Spielberg and said, no, nope, you can't have him. We have a contract with him already. And so Selleck had to bow out. Selleck's role, his TV role, Magnum P.I., Serious commitment, it was about to begin with CBS, so Tom Selleck came extremely close to donning that fedora, but in the end, he was not the one. Also in the running for the role of Marion Ravenwood was Sean Young, who would make a big splash the following year in Blade Runner. But back to Harrison Ford. Lucas called Ford to come over to Spielberg's house. Spielberg and Ford had not yet met at this point, so Spielberg turned to Lucas and said, well, we lost Tom Selleck, so back to Ford, what do you think? And Lucas reluctantly agreed to give Ford a chance. So he invited Ford over to Spielberg's house. Ford took a look at the script, he read it, he loved it. He was hesitant to sign on for three films because that was the contractual arrangement. Spielberg had said to Lucas, okay, I'm your director for hire. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna service your, your story here but we're gonna to have to do three films. This is gonna be a trilogy. And that was the plan all along. So Spielberg and Lucas already knew that they were gonna have a story mapped out, told throughout the span of three films. Ford was hesitant to sign on to commit to three films, but he knew that he liked the people he'd be working with. So he made an exception in this case. He even went so far as to hire a personal coach to come to his home for bullwhip lessons. If that's not method acting, I don't know what is. As for Spielberg, he was excited because this was going to be his first time directing a film in the UK. They filmed at the Elstree Studios in London, sets deliberately fashioned after the illustrations that you would find in graphic novels of the 1930s, completely devoid of anything 
resembling technology in the slightest. You take a look at the scenes that are set in Marion Ravenwood's bar in Nepal towards the beginning of the film, and it looks like something straight out of Pulp Fiction. Not the film Pulp Fiction, I'm talking about the Pulp Fiction graphic novels and comics that was so big earlier in the 20th century. Speaking of Marion Ravenwood, let's talk a little bit about Karen Allen, the great Karen Allen, my personal favorite out of all of the heroines of the Indiana Jones franchise. Spielberg saw her performance in the raunchy comedy Animal House, and he liked the qualities that she brought to the screen. He felt that she had this magnetic quality, very much in the same vein as the 1930s kind of leading lady, the spunk and the rapid fire delivery and the ability to really know how to take care of herself. So he felt that she reminded him a lot, actually, of actress Irene Dunn. So she got the role. And in fact, she even said that one of her favorite sequences in the whole film was when she got to crash the bad guy over the head with the frying pan. She was glad not to just be running around and screaming, looking to her right and left and waiting for the hero to swoop in, knight on horseback in his shining armor and to save her. She liked the fact that Marion was a gutsy go-getter. One of her favorite sequences, another one of her favorite sequences, the scene in the tent with Belloc played by Paul Freeman, Belloc, Indiana Jones's arch nemesis, the one who is competing with him to be the one to find the Ark of the Covenant. And her idea, Karen Allen's idea, she turned to, well, let's back up for a moment. In this particular scene, she is being held captive in the tent in the middle of the desert. And she wants to escape, of course, into the tent walks Belloc. And he's got this big box with this really butt ugly white dress in it, but it's supposed to be a beautiful dress. So suspension of disbelief. So Karen Allen took a look at the script and she said to Spielberg, why would Marion put this dress on? Like what purpose would that serve? What would be her motivation? Spielberg said, well, think about that. Come up with a reason and let's talk it out. And so she and Paul Freeman, who plays Belloc, the two of them did a lot of improvising and they worked out this bit where she would take a look at the dress that he is taking out of the box. She would say, huh, beautiful. And he would say to her, I would very much like to see you in it. And she laughs in his face and says, I bet you would. And then she develops, she gets this idea, this glint in her eye and she says, okay. So she takes the dress and she goes behind a closed curtain and she changes into it. So the bit that Karen Allen brought to the table was that Marion walks out wearing this white dress and the clothes that she had been wearing, she's got in her hand. And she walks slowly over to the table between her and Belloc. She sees a knife on the table. And so she very furtively places her pile of clothes on top of the knife. And that knife was going to be now within easy access, but still safely hidden from Belloc's view so that she could try to make good her escape. Karen Allen came up with that when she and Paul Freeman were improvising and Spielberg loved it. He said, perfect. It fits with the character. It gives you a reason to change into the dress. And in fact, <laughs> she goes on, the character of Marion goes on to challenge Belloc to a I guess you could call it a, uh, a drink fest. And her idea is to get him drunk, but she ends up being the one getting drunk instead. So she said to entertainment writer Maureen Lee Lenker, we improvised it before the actual shooting of the scene. 
The scene was really all about Marion seducing Belloc, and I wear the white dress the whole time. And she said I was very satisfied with the fact that not only that we came up with this bit with the knife, but also that Spielberg went for it. And she went on to say, quote, I got very possessive of that character and I felt very strongly that I wanted her to stay resourceful and strong and independent and capable of dealing. If she could live there in that bar in Nepal and find a way to drink men under the table and make a way to survive and live that way, there's not many situations that she was not up to, end quote. So Karen Allen brought a lot to the role of Marion. She screen tested first with Tim Matheson then she screen tested with actor John Shea. John Shea is probably most known for playing Lex Luthor in the early 1990s TV series, Lois and Clark. And he was also in the show Mutant X. As for Karen Allen's career after Raiders of the Lost Act, she went on to do Starman and she appeared in a smaller role in the 2001 drama In the Bedroom with Sissy Spacek as the lawyer in the murder trial of the killer of Sissy Spacek's son, her on-screen son. Of course, as any good Indiana Jones fan would know, she did return to play Marion again in 2008's Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. As far as whether or not she has anything to do with Indiana Jones 5, the one that just started filming within the past week as of this recording, nothing has been confirmed. She's not saying, no one is saying one way or the other yet. I personally say bring her back, bring back John Reese Davis as Sala. Neither one of them has been confirmed to return for this fifth one. I say bring them both back because the two of them were the perfect compliments to the Indiana Jones character, if I dare say so, more so than Willie Scott in Short Round and Temple of Doom, much as I do love Temple of Doom. Interesting side note, by the way, speaking of the character of Sala, guess who was Steven Spielberg's first choice? His first choice for the character of Sala, the Egyptian digger, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito was his first choice. He wanted Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito really wanted to do it as well. But Danny DeVito was in the middle of uh, production of his television sitcom Taxi, and the schedules just were not working out. So he had to bow out. Now, the character of Sala was written as a five foot two uh, man. So, of course, once John Reese Davis stepped in and took on the role, this guy, if you're not familiar with them, he is slightly taller, slightly more built. So they had to they had to modify the character somewhat. And the solid that we got is the solid that we love. As for the famous look of Indiana Jones, I want to give a shout out and all the respect to costume designer Deborah Nadelman. She designed for Spielberg previously for 1941. She also did the costumes for the Blues Brothers. She was nominated for an Academy Award for costume design for the Eddie Murphy comedy Coming to America that came out in 1988. She's got some street cred in the horror genre as well. She did the costumes for An American Werewolf in London. And get this, she is also the costume designer for Michael Jackson's Thriller music video. So Michael Jackson's Thriller music video, costume designer, same one who worked on Raiders of the Lost Act. So she had the Indiana Jones jacket, but it was brand new. And she knew that she wanted it to look lived in, like the character ate in it, slept in it, wore it every second of the day. So to give the jacket more of an aged look, she and Harrison Ford, the night before the first day of shooting, the night before production began, 
She and Harrison Ford sat out at the pool and he lent her his Swiss Army knife. She takes this Swiss Army knife and she also takes a steel brush. And with that knife and that steel brush, she proceeded by hand to age the hell out of that sucker. Karen Allen also worked previously with Deborah Nadelman. She had worked with her on Animal House as well. So Karen Allen knew her as a costume designer. She had done the costumes. She says, we did them all in Los Angeles before we went over to London to shoot the film. The white dress, <laughs> Karen Allen said, I developed a real negative relationship with that dress. She says, Marion has four or five different costumes in the course of this thing, and I really enjoyed them all, but the white dress with the big bow in my butt was the one I could have done without. I would have loved to have snuck in and burned all of them. Now, I'm going to sort of pivot here to the opening shot of the film. The opening sequence in the South American temple. Now, the very first image that you see, it is 1981 after all. So you have the Paramount logo with that mountain. And then the mountain, the Paramount mountain, dissolves into a real life mountain. So the establishing shot of the film, the very first second, an establishing shot of a mountain. Now, it's supposed to be South America. That mountain that they filmed is actually on the island of Kauai. And after that dissolve, you have this mountain on Kauai standing in for a South American mountain. And then you see the character for the first time, the character of Indiana Jones, but you don't see his face. His back is to the camera as he is making his way slowly up a hill. It's a close up of his back. Now, what he is doing in this opening sequence, Indiana Jones, he is in South America because he is searching for this idol. He is looking for this lost artifact, this idol, and he has heard that it is hidden somewhere in a temple deep in the jungles of South America. So he has two guides with him. One of them is played by a theater actor named Alfred Molina. And this is really this is really where I need to ask. If anybody knows the answer to this, I beg of you, please, to get in touch. Now, the screen, the, the screen credits, as well as every other source I've ever seen, I'm talking the novelization back in the day, I'm talking INDB, refers to Alfred Molina's character as Satipo, S-A-T-I-P-O. But Harrison Ford in this sequence refers to him as Sapito, S-A-P-I-T-O. He reverses the T and the P. So what the hell is this guy's name? I have no idea. My hunch is that it might've been a blunder by Ford and it just stayed in the film, but I don't know that for a fact. So if anyone knows, please let me know. Uh, this was Alfred Molina's very first time in front of a camera and talk about a baptism by fire, because as you may recall, once they enter the temple, he is freaked out because he has 50,000 tarantulas all crawling all over his back and his chest. This was the very first shot of the film. This was his first day on the set, his first time acting in front of a camera, and this is his introduction to movie making. These were real live tarantulas, by the way. They were all male, and they were all very, they were just all over him, but they were static. They were not moving. And so he was saying, okay, these things are supposed to move. I'm kind of glad that they're not because I'm not really enjoying this. So he turns to the Wrangler and he said to the Wrangler, so uh, these tarantulas, they're not moving. And the Wrangler said, oh, don't worry about that. They'll be moving all over the place once I put a female spider in with them. Say what? <laughs> so... They put a female spider on poor Alfred Molina, and sure enough, they all go crawling all over the place, racing all around. He's beginning to panic, and so Steven Spielberg is saying, grab the camera, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. So 
that reaction that you see is very real. So hats off to Alfred Molina taking one for the team. He went on to play Doc Ocken in 2004's Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire. So that's probably the other big franchise role that he's known for. But getting back to the sequence, Indiana Jones famously is going to grab the idol, but he's trying to figure out exactly how much it weighs because it's standing on this little, this little altar, this platform. And so he has this bag of sand and he wants to replace the idol with a bag of sand so as to prevent setting off a booby trap. And of course, once he grabs the idol and replaces it with a bag of sand, at first it seems like he got away with it. Nothing is going to happen gives a little tip of his hat, turns around, begins to walk away, and all of a sudden he has this low rumbling sound. He turns and he looks back, and that bag of sand is sinking into the stone structure that he placed it on. Immediately, rocks begin falling off of the walls, everything begins collapsing, arrows begin shooting out of holes in the walls his way as he's running down the hallway. The door slams itself shut. There is a giant boulder now, this giant boulder, one of the most famous images from this film, in real life, this damn thing was 500 pounds, and it was heavy. And if Harrison Ford had tripped when they filmed that scene, he would have been in big trouble. Steven Spielberg loved the way it looked on the screen, so he actually said, let's extend the ramp another 50 feet. Let's extend it so that it's on screen longer for a bigger effect. And that's exactly what they did. So they got a great famous uh, opening sequence for one of the best action adventure films of all time. As far as the sound effect of the boulder as it's rolling down its way towards Indiana Jones and chasing him out the entrance of this cave, that sound effect done by Ben Burt, sound designer Ben Burt, a Honda Civic's tires rolling slowly across wet gravel in the rain. Now I want to ask you, who thinks this stuff up? Honestly, I mean, that is just a stroke of genius. That is inspiration right there. But as far as all of these booby traps, it's classic Steven Spielberg. It completely defies logic. And that's what makes these movies so fun. Why there would be booby traps set up with arrows shooting out of walls and these boulders rolling down and all of this because an idol is taken off of a little platform. Who takes the time to set these booby traps? Do they just sit there and wait? I mean, who thinks this stuff up, honestly? But again, that's why we love it so much. Now, later on in the film, when he is in Egypt and he is looking for the location of the Lost Ark, I'm not going to get too much into what's going on here other than simply to tell you that this is the scene that takes place in the Well of the Souls. Now, the Well of the Souls, this is where the Ark is found. And of course, this is where he utters his famous dialogue, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? And John Reese Davis playing Sala says, asps, very dangerous. You go first. So there is Indiana Jones with his biggest phobia. I hate snakes. I hate them. And they lower themselves by rope down into this, into this it's a pit, it's a cavern, it's underground. It's this, it's this huge underground lair and the Ark of the Covenant is hidden in there. Now, with all of these snakes slithering around, you can imagine how that must have felt like to prepare to shoot that scene. At one point, as he is lowering himself down on the rope, he lands on the ground onto his stomach. He looks and he comes face to face with a cobra that is rising itself up and looking straight into his eyes. Now. 
Needless to say, this was not a legitimate thing. There was a sheet of glass that was separating Harrison Ford from this Cobra. But I'm sorry, if I were in Harrison Ford's shoes, I don't care if there was glass there. I don't care if I'm wearing a helmet. I don't care if there is kryptonite there. That is something I just would not have had the wontons to do. But Harrison Ford did it, and that's why he's the big movie star and not me. Now, this Cobra, during one take, actually reared its ugly head, turned, and spat its venom onto the glass. I probably would still be picking myself off the ground now, 40 years later. The production team that took all these precautions, they had anti-venom serum, uh, they had protection for the handlers. I mean, they took every possible precaution. And Kathleen Kennedy, who was Steven Spielberg's assistant at the time, she said that spitting of the venom on the glass, that was something that caused everybody to sit up and take notice and know that this was something not to play around with. So, in fact, this is the very same scene. Those of you who might remember that movie, I'm sorry, that moment, that moment in the great movie ride at Hollywood Studios in Disney World in Florida, there is an audio animatronic reenactment of Indiana Jones and Sala as they are lifting the ark out of its, out of its, the place where it's been hiding now for the past however many centuries. That sound effect of the ark being lifted, that scraping, once again, sound design of Ben Burt with his genius. He took the lid of his old toilet tank and he scraped it across a slab of concrete. And that is the sound that you have when the Ark of the Covenant is being lifted out of its resting place. That toilet of his, of Ben Burtt's, that toilet is long gone, but he did hang on to the lid as a, as a keepsake, presumably for sentimental reasons. At least I would hope. I don't know what else you would do with it. One other little interesting piece of uh, information about this film in terms of filming locations, the scene towards the latter half of the film where Marion has been captured and Indiana Jones makes this ill-fated attempt to rescue her. He is standing at the top of a cliff while Belloc and Tote and everybody else, all the Nazis, they're all parading. They are the ones who are now in possession of the Ark and they're parading up this, up this canyon because they're gonna get ready for this religious ritual to open up the Ark and see what's inside. And Indiana Jones, he's standing there on the top of the cliff with this big bazooka and he's looking down at them and he gets their attention by calling out, hello, and they all look up and he says, keep the Ark. All I want is Marion back. That scene was filmed in Tunisia. That is precisely the exact same, and I do mean the exact same location. It's the same canyon, it's the same spot. That is the exact same location where several years earlier, R2-D2 was filmed being abducted by the Jawas in 1977 Star Wars. Take a look at those two scenes side by side, do a screenshot comparison. It is the same spot the exact same spot. So I love that. I love that piece of it. So I don't want to say anything about the ending of Raiders of the Lost Ark in case you are going to be enjoying it for the first time or in case you're going to be revisiting it for the first time in a while. It is something that definitely needs to be enjoyed very subjectively. You don't need me giving you 20,000 spoilers before the day is out. So let me bring everything to a rousing finish with the announcement of this week's winner of the weekly trivia. Last time, last episode, we went to Fantasia for a look at 1984's The NeverEnding Story, and the question was whether or not the author of the book took to the film at all, and the correct answer is absolutely not. He hated what the movie version did to his story. He wanted his name removed from the opening credits, and it was. NeverEnding Story, opening credits you do not see based on the book by. 
So kudos and a big virtual fist bump to my buddy Drew. If you have not checked out his YouTube channel, Ben Spack Family Adventures, do it soon. He talks all kinds of cool stuff, especially latest toys and game releases. Personalized never-ending story meme, Drew, coming your way. And everyone else who is listening, I got this one for you this time around. Of the four Indiana Jones movies, which one takes place first? in the timeline of events. We currently have four, and which is in the timeline of the film, in the Indiana Jones universe, what is the first one to take place? Email your guests, message or post to Twitter at filmbuff1974, Instagram at frankmendoza1974, that is spelled with an A and an S. You can Facebook message me through the public Facebook group, Silver Screeners, same title as this podcast. Be on the lookout for your very own personalized Indiana Jones flavored meme getting sent right to you in the form of a response or a reply or an email. So watch out for those snakes. Keep your eyes shut if you know that open Ark of the Covenant. Leave those idols and those temples alone if you don't want to get satipoed or sapedoed, as the case may be. And remember, you will not find a finer ally than the one you have in Sala. A British star is a soaring soul as free as a mountain bud. And until next time, keep on screening and I will see you.